Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Uh, such an honor this morning to be with you. My name is Cody Sykes. I am from the Midland uh, Renew Life Midland campus, and uh, it's just fun to be here. It's been a while since I've been here. I think it's, uh, gosh, been since June. So it's been a while. Uh, lots of crazy, incredible things are happening down the road in Midland. Uh, thanks for praying for us and believing God for us as we are for you. We've, we've had a wild summer. Uh, we baptized over the summer uh, like 135 people. Pretty wild. It was really, really cool. Um, in two baptisms. One baptism, uh, there, was, uh, there was like 40 people signed up and then like another 25 spontaneously jumped up to be baptized. And then the last one we did, there was like 20 signed up and another like 30 hopped up to be baptized. And God is just moving uh, miraculously in, in wild ways. We're seeing, um, we're seeing a lot of people uh, that are coming. This is an int- interesting thing, and I, I hope that this kind of just interjects faith to you guys. But we're seeing a lot of people that are coming to Renew Life Midland uh, because they're reading in the scripture there's something more than what they've gotten. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with other churches. There's a lot of great churches. Even in Lubbock, there's a lot of great churches in Midland. I'm friends with a ton of the pastors in Midland, but uh, even out of the Catholic Church, there are a lot of people that are like, there's just got to be something different. I spoke to a woman uh, several Sundays ago, uh, 41 years old, first time she had ever been to a service in her whole life that wasn't a Catholic service. I would imagine that walking into a charismatic service for the first time after only ever being in a Catholic service would have potentially freaked someone out to the point where they might not come. And she said, I've never felt peace like this before in my whole life. I've never, I've never encountered the presence of God. I didn't know that I could, but thank you. Thanks for just going for it. And so God is moving and shaking in this entire region. And uh, I, I just, I know that it's happening here too. And so anyway, it's just a lot of fun to get to come and and join you. So it's going to be a, a good time. I'm going to share a message. Uh, the title of this message is called Raised to Sit. Raised to Sit. Fun times. Uh, I'm going to go into Ephesians chapter 2 in just a moment. But before we get there, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 21, it talks about how God used uh, the power, his power, to raise Jesus from the dead. But then by that same power, he made Jesus sit uh, at his right hand in heavenly places, far above rule, far above power, far above dominion, uh, above authority. It says that he is designed to sit above every name on earth and under the earth. Jesus was raised by the Father and then made to sit at his right hand. Amen? So I just want you to remember that just as we go forward in this message. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Uh, out of the New King James Version, it'll be up here if you didn't bring your Bible. It says, and he made, and you he made alive. He's talking about you. Who were dead in trespasses and in sins, in which you once walked according to the, curse of the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, I love when the scripture says things like that. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. 
and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Such a beautiful set of scriptures that paints such the glorious picture of uh, Jesus who is grace. And so I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna dive into the topic of being raised so that we might sit. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this room, and I thank you for what you're doing in, in this church and in this city, God, and I pray that as we uh, just continue to open the scripture, God, that you would pour yourself out to us, that you would make yourself more alive, more, more, more seen, God. I thank you that we are the kinds of people that have ears to hear, and I declare that we have eyes to see what you're, see, what you're doing around us, and, and, and we have eyes to see what you're trying to show us in scripture. I pray that this morning we would fall deeper into love with you deeper into relationship with you, deeper into uh, uh, a place of thankfulness and gratitude for all that you've done for us. And Jesus, we ask that you would send us help. We receive your help to hear. We receive your, your help to speak. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed uh, how, as humans, we make things really, really complicated? <laughs> uh, take, for instance, living. It's become so complicated, right? Like, it, it, it's, so, it's so simple. Like, you just need food, water, oxygen, and shelter. But we've complicated it way beyond those things. And I would just go, to, go ahead to say, like, I'd say that for a person to live, not be uh, just alive and exist, they need food, water, oxygen, shelter, and probably connection. Because Jesus, the Father, he made us, he designed us for connection. But we've complicated living and being alive way, way beyond those four things. Like for most of us, coffee is something that has to exist in our life for us to live or feel like we're alive. Uh, maybe some of the, 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 the women would understand makeup might be on the list to live because if somebody saw you without it, you might die. Um, <laughs> social media for some of us has become something that is vital, we think, for life. If I can't be connected, uh, not just in a, a, a person to person, uh, aspect of life, I have to be connected in another way, and so we, we have this, like, if I, if I don't have Wi-Fi, if I don't have social media, if I don't have electronics, I might die. One of the greatest things about being a parent is I have the power to take anything I want away from my kids. <laughs> For fun, sometimes. Like, like if I just, just want to in increase the pain in their life, just take electronics from them. Only when they're disobedient is when I do that. But it's the greatest thing, I promise you. Like, if you have kids and you give them electronics, punish them, obviously, yes, spank them. Amen? Okay, just, just making sure I'm preaching to Christians. Because uh, the Bible does say that. The Bible does say that. Uh, as they get older, my 14-year-old, I'm like, I'm taking all electronics from you. And it's like the end of the world and the start of my world. It's like hers ended, mine just got better because all of a sudden I got this person that I like to be around again. She's connected to the family. She's doing things around the house that I didn't even ask her to do. It's like, it's the, it's the greatest thing. The other day, my son, he's uh, 11. And I was like, Bryden, listen, buddy, I love you. 
And uh, here's the thing, you're probably not gonna understand what I'm about to do, but all video games, they're just going away for a while. And he's like, what did I do? And I'm like, nothing. But I just need you in a different capacity than what I've had you. And after a couple days of moping and after a couple days of realizing that he's still breathing and he can still eat and drink water and he has connection, life began to flow back in his bones. But we've overcomplicated living in such a crazy, crazy way. It's just one of the many things on the list that, that, that we could talk through. Buying a car should not be as hard as it is. Amen? It's like, it might be the fastest way to get saved because you're gonna need Jesus for the process. Might also be the fastest way to fall back into sin because you might kill someone in the process. And it's also the fastest way to come back to Jesus because you're gonna need to repent after how much Jesus you lost during the process. It's this, it's so much more complicated than it should be. It's like, listen guy, if you, if you walk away from this desk one more again <laughs> and you go into that sales manager's office one more time and you come out of that little glass cubicle with a different price than what we talked about before you walked in, it's about to be five-fold ministry all up in this place. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, either you can do this or you can't. Let your yes be yes, and you're, it's like they're from the evil one or something. If you're a salesman, amen, bless you. Hope your sales go through the roof. Just love the people, amen. Don't compliment on their shirt because you just want to make a sale. If their shirt's ugly, don't tell them it's nice, amen. Like, be real with us. It's like, stop playing with our emotions. It should not be as complicated as it is to buy a vehicle. Yep. We've all been there. Uh, I made this, uh, this joke in Midland, and you, it may pertain to you in Lubbock, but uh, I didn't need to say much after I said this, but one of the most complicated things that shouldn't be complicated is Midland, Texas, their road construction, it is a debacle. I don't know what Lubbock's like, but if it is, bless those people, Lord, do what you can with what you got. It shouldn't be so hard to, to do some of the things in life. And at the beginning of September, I turned 40, which, is, which has been fun. Uh, feels good, I think. I'm not sure yet. Uh, hasn't been long enough to feel bad. But I was just talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I, just, I desire for the next year to just be this year of this word that has escaped my vocabulary. And that's simple. As you grow older, obviously you understand, but things just get complicated. It's like, can I just have some things become more simple, like not so devastating. Uh, can I make some decisions or need to make some decisions that don't have so, such high implications? Uh, can it just be a, a little less complex and a lot more simple? Can we just go back to love God and love people simple? That's what I'm asking you for, Lord. Like, can I just go to Romans chapter 28 simple? Like, and God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Can it just be that Simple, that's what I'm asking for. Uh, let God work and just love God. That's the kind of thing that I'm asking for this year. And as I, as I started preparing this message, I just started thinking about Ephesians chapter one and chapter two and how overly complicated we've made even this process of being raised in order that we would sit just as Jesus, like we've, we've complicated what happens after, we've complicated what happens after being uh, made alive in Christ and we instantly become the hamsters on the wheel that just begin to run over and over and over. And it's like the bearings are smoking, right? And Jesus is like, hey, I raised you in order that you would just sit. I raised you so that you would actually come to me, that you would get some instructions and then you can actually go and do. 
In Ephesians chapter two, I'm gonna read just a portion of what we read, but it says, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and he raised us up, and he raised us up together, and then what did he do? Made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The first thing that you were designed to do after coming to Jesus was to sit. Yes, I'm talking about your spiritual position. I'm talking about your identity in Christ, Colossians 3.3. It talks about you died the moment that you gave your life to Jesus and you surrendered to his will, allowed him to be the Lord, not you be the Lord. You died and it says your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Like you were designed, I'm talking about your spiritual nature, but I'm also talking about a natural response to the Father, and that is to sit. It's a posture of stillness. When we're still, we rest. I think it's interesting that even the Lord gave me the word of knowledge about the restless leg syndrome. Uh, when, you're, when you're allowed to be still, you're allowed to enter into rest. Psalm 46, we all know this. He, he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Those, those words even, they remind me of what Jesus spoke to the storm. They're in this position, the disciples are in this position where they're, they're freaking out and Jesus is asleep in the front of the boat and, they, and they're like, teacher, teacher, we're gonna die, we're gonna perish, the waves are crashing, I'm sure that they're getting wet and all the things and he's like, silence, be still. And oftentimes I think we are much like that raging sea. Our, our thought process is so much like the waves. There is no direction to them. Our emotions have no, no way about them. They are just wherever they decide to take us, and we are just that boat along for the ride oftentimes. And Jesus is saying in these moments, simply just be still. Just be still. Just silence yourself. Turn off your notifications. Just be still. From this posture of stillness is you have this, you've put yourself in this position to receive when a coach is, is going to give a, a speech to his team before they go out onto the field or go out onto the court, the coach is standing. Most of the time the players are sitting or they're kneeling. Why? Because they're receiving instructions before they go out to do, to do battle. They're, they're receiving the final instructions, the final words of encouragement from the coach before they actually go execute the thing that they've been practicing. That that speech would do nothing for anyone if the coach was like, all right, guys, let's go, let's hit the tunnel, and they're all running out onto the field. Can you imagine? Can you imagine them running out onto the field, and as they're running through the tunnel, the coach is like, hey, guys, i got to tell you something. It's going to be a great game, and he's trying to give his speech. It would, re it would be received by no one. It would do no good. But when they're sitting in this place, and they're posturing themselves in order to, to sit and be still and receive, they actually receive. Oftentimes in our relationship with God, that's, that's how we communicate with the Lord. We are the ones that have what we think is the message that the Lord needs to hear. We are the ones that have the prayer that the Lord needs to hear. And so like, we're like, Lord, if you're going to talk to me, if you're going to listen to me, you're going to have to walk with me. I've got a busy day. I woke up five minutes late, so you're going to have to walk extra fast. Jesus, come on. Walk with me. Talk with me. 
It's like, it's like someone that's got, uh, they're super busy and they've just got an assistant. We treat Jesus like an assistant. Are you taking notes, Jesus? Because I'm saying a lot of things and I need you to pay attention. And he's like, no, no, no. If you would just reverse the roles and if you would just sit, I will give you the instructions that you need to make your day so much more productive. And oftentimes, we're like, Jesus, come walk with us. And that's not the way that's designed to be. And Jesus said, come walk with me. Come, come learn of me, and I will teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. When Jesus comes and walks with us, we're teaching him the forced rhythms of chaos. <laughs> Jesus, I got to go. I got things to do. I got people to see. I, got, I can't stay this long. You, you're going to have to talk a little faster. And then we wonder why we get to a situation or we get into a meeting and we don't have the thing to say or the, the right thing. To, it's because we're so worked up that the words that we should have been hearing were silence, be still. Will you just let me give you the thing that you need for the moment? Will you just come sit with me just for a moment? I think about Mary and the part that Mary chose. We know this and Martha's worked up about it, but what was the part that Mary chose? Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. Martha, like some of us maybe, and I'm not pitting Martha against Mary or Mary against Martha or any of those things, but Martha's frustrated about the fact that Mary's just sitting and receiving. And she's busy doing, she's up and she's worked up and she's cooking and she's making bread and loaves are rising and all the things. And um, she's frustrated. And Jesus is like, listen, Mary's chosen the better part and I'm, I'm not taking that from her. Jesus even takes the lower parts. I think the, the beautiful thing about sitting and the beautiful thing about rest is the posture of humility of the heart. You think about the woman that was caught in adultery. The religious people of the day, they bring her and they throw her into the midst. It says, it's what it says. And Jesus actually is sharing with a group of people. They throw her into the midst and, and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says that this woman should be stoned, but Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus, we know this, and he, he stoops down and he goes low, much like a posture, a posture of sitting or receiving. And Jesus begins to doodle and he begins to, to draw on the dirt, and they're, they're continuing to press him and, and ask him, what is it that you say that we should do? What is it that you say we should do? I would propose to you this. Yes, Jesus was God, but Jesus came as a man, born of Mary, Right? Jesus in this moment is drawing, and I don't know what Jesus is doing in this moment. There's a lot of things that people are saying. He could have been playing tic-tac-toe with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But what I do know is, is that when Jesus rose from the posture of receiving, he rose up with wisdom. And what did he say? You who are without sin, throw the first stone. Obviously being convicted by their conscience, it said that they, they began to leave, they dropped their stones and leave oldest to youngest. What I would say in all of that is that from the posture of going low in order to receive in humility, he received wisdom for a situation where he was being looked at not just by the scribes and the Pharisees and the woman that was caught in adultery, but he was actually teaching to a large group of people all at the same time. What is this man going to do? I would just say this, he went low and he received wisdom. In all of your doing, go low, and you'll receive wisdom. In all of your wanting to, to move forward and press into the thing that God is trying to do for you or wants to do for you and has spoken to you, I would say go low and receive wisdom. Sit so that you would receive. Sit so that you would rest. And Jesus raised 
God raised Jesus in order that he would sit, and I would say that God has raised us in order that we would also sit. And I think sometimes we fall into these tensions of like, pastors, I, I understand, sit, and rest. I got you. But see, I got this word the other day. <laughs> and it's a big word. I mean, Jesus prophesied through somebody to me that, like, I'm about to, I'm about to take the world by the horns, and uh, I'm fixing to wrestle it down. Like, I don't have a whole lot of time to sit and to rest. The problem with sometimes what we do with words of, like, prophetic words, and I, I think that they're beautiful and we need them, is oftentimes we will let a prophetic word drive us beyond Jesus. And all of a sudden we get controlled by a word and not controlled by the Holy Spirit. We are submitted to a word and not submitted to the Holy Spirit. The first thing that you should do when that thing, you hear the word and it brings gladness and joy, right? You receive it with joy, right? It, it fills you. It does something good for you. The first thing that you need to do is you need to leave wherever you got that word. You write it down and then you go sit with Jesus and say, Jesus, what should I do with this word? And then the next thing you do is you take it to your leadership and you go and you sit with your leadership and say, does this bear witness with you too? This is scriptural. Oftentimes we're led more by prophetic words than we are ever the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's like, Jesus, I got a word. Walk with me and let me tell you about this word that I got and tell me what I need to do while I'm doing everything else that I'm already doing. Most of the time, the the the, the the ways in which we spend time with God are on a treadmill with our AirPods in, watching a TV, reading a book. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a great multitasker, but you're not accomplishing the one task that you should be after, and that is hearing from the Father. That's just a crazy example, but oftentimes we, we clutter ourselves with all of this stuff and then say, Jesus, speak to me in the middle of all of this chaos. And he's saying, if you would just take the, the lesser of the two, if you would just sit, if you would just be, Oh, I have something to say about that word. Yeah, that word, it, it was birthed out of my heart. But what I need to do is I need you to just let me breathe on it. Let me develop your character. Will you wait long enough? That's the other thing about rest is it will develop your character. The beautiful thing about rest is when you come out of the place of rest, you will go in his grace and not your own. But the moment that you go in your own grace is the moment that you fail. Rest is so, so important to the life of a believer. There's a, a guy by the name of Watchman Nee, N-E-E. -E. Uh, got a, a funny name. Uh, that's his, his first name uh, in Chinese, or his first name, his Chinese name translated to English actually is Watchman. And uh, just an incredible, profound church leader um, in the underground church of China in the mid-1900s. But he said this. He said, for Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. Not with a big do, but with a big done. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The, thing that, the things that Jesus has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, they didn't come from our own efforts. They didn't come from our own merit. They came from the fact that Jesus has done everything for us. It started with a big done, not with a big do. Your life in Jesus is not requiring you to do a whole lot for Jesus. Yes, you are going to be assigned. It says that you are uh, assigned to do the works that he has prepared for you to do beforehand. There are things that you will do, but they start with you resting in the doneness that Jesus accomplished for you.
comes from this place of rest. Comes from this place of saying, Jesus, I will allow you to have raised me, that I died on myself so that I would sit and I would simply receive. You think about, think about the Apostle Paul. In Galatians, he talks about how he went and spent three and a half years in the wilderness and then returned and started preaching. Jesus constantly went away. Jesus constantly pulled himself away that he would go and sit and pray. They would go and sit and get wisdom. I would propose that if they did it, we probably need to do it too. Jesus did all that you needed him to do so that you could do all that he's called you to do. Jesus did so that you can. It's the beautiful thing about him. God also did a lot at the very beginning, and I want to read something um, scripture-wise to you uh, in Genesis 2. It says, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And then what did he do? Anyone? Oh, yes, he rested. (laughs) Not doing this alone today. Uh, He rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. He sanctified a day of rest. No condemnation here. Uh, I have not always done a good job at honoring the thing that he sanctified, but I'm doing better. Uh, Because in it he rested from all of his work, which he had created and made. The seventh day, we know, was a day of rest. God had been doing all of these things, creating all these things, and after that, God implemented this design of a day of rest. But look what he did at the end of, the, of day six, Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all of the earth, and every, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God created man on the sixth day, but man's first full day on the earth was a day of rest, the seventh day. And we come into relationship with Jesus and we go straight into do mode. I gotta do it, gotta do it. Jesus did all of it for me, now I gotta do it all back for him. Gotta prove that I'm worth it. He's like, no, no, no. I raised Adam from the earth. I formed him from the dust of the ground. And then the first day that he was here with me, he just got to enjoy whatever I did for him, all of it. Before he even was designed or or asked to even name the animals as they walked by, he said, I just want you to enjoy what I've built for you. How often are we taking the moment to rest with the Father so that we might enjoy the thing that he's done for us? Are we so busy working ourselves into this frenzy because I have to prove myself faithful so that I will feel worthy of what he's done for me? Jesus did it all so that you can actually enjoy the life that he's given for you. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. I preach this simply for two reasons. Because I want to we have been, Keith and I both have been pounding this, this thing into to all of you that none of the things that you have are because of you. <laughs> Very warm and fuzzy, right? But the truth is, is that in you, you know nothing, can do nothing, have nothing, and are nothing. But in Christ, you have all of those things. 
And the, the more we can find our, our ways of dying to ourselves, coming into the position of rest in order that we receive, the more he gets glory for the things that we do and the more we stop actually stealing the thing that he deserves. Because oftentimes when I go and do, and I go and do from my own place of understanding or my own place of wisdom or my own place of knowledge, when I get a, a hand clap, I actually receive the glory and I'm stealing it and he doesn't share that. I'm stepping into something that is not for me. But the moment that I can say, Jesus, will you guide me? Will you lead me? Can I sit at your feet? Can I receive instructions? And then I am sent out to do? It's that, it's that, that thing where he, he positions me in such a way that people see my, glory, my good works, but they glorify the Father who is in heaven. How much are you resting? Can I tell you this? Um, your business is not going to tank if you take a day of rest. You're not that important. Love you. You're just not. Because it's not on your own understanding that you did it anyways. It's his. But we have this mindset. Well, if I, if I just don't work all the time, oh, I just got to do, I, I have to go to the office just for a little bit. No, you don't. It will be there tomorrow. It might be on fire. <laughs> but the good news is, you know the Holy Spirit, and he can help you put the fire out. How often do you rest, not sleep? Like actually take a day of rest. It's a crazy thought to take 24 hours of rest. To take 24 hours off. Like there's no way I can do that. Especially with that attitude. <laughs> it's true, and I, I know I'm kind of saying some funny things, but it, we're missing something. This is not a drive-through relationship with the Father. Where you drive through and you pick what you want off the menu. He tells you how much it's going to cost you. So you go and you do the work in order to receive the thing that you ordered. That's not it. It's will you come in and will you dine with me? Will you actually come to the table that I prepared for you? Oh yeah, you're afraid? Because fear and anger and worry and all of these things are just kind of always attacking you. Yeah, if you would just come to the table that I prepared. If you'll just come to me, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make your enemies watch while you feast on my goodness. Well, I'll, I'll put them on pause. How often do you rest? How often do you just sit and receive? Or how anxious are you to just go and do? I promise that God's got good things for you to do. Promise that. It's all in scripture. We just read it earlier, Ephesians 2. But what he wants more is he wants you to come and be with him. One of my favorite things about having kids is that they'll just climb in my lap for no reason. Dad, will you read this book to me? That's, that's we have a, a one that's almost three. She's got this alphabet book. She's good to make it through about H. And then she's done reading. But I love A through H because she's right in my lap. I will take A through H every single day of the week because what's happening? She's resting and I'm giving. That's the Father's heart. If, I'll, if you'll just rest in me, I just want to pour myself out unto you. 
If you'll just come to me, let me lavish you with my love. If you'll just sit with me, let me show you the goodness of, of who I am. Let me actually change the way that you look at yourself as you look at me. But it's hard to receive those things when I'm constantly in go mode. Well, you rest. We try to do a really good job uh, starting at 1 p.m. to 1 p.m. on Sunday to 1 p.m. on Monday. Uh, I try not to do anything at all. It's 24 hours of, of rest, of turning my phone off, of being with the family, of watching football because it fills me up, except for when the Cowboys lose, then it interrupts my day of rest. Like last week, I was not restful. That was my fault. I should not watch them. <laughs> Actually, you know what happened is I said go Cowboys at the end of my message last week, and that's what tanked them. So I won't do that this week. Play bad. Play bad. Will you rest? That's the simplicity of the message. Will you rest? Will you find yourself found in Jesus? Because what happens when you don't rest and you go do work and then you fail? Does it challenge your position with Jesus? Does it often try to rob your identity because you didn't perform well? Well, guess where you're going to have to go find yourself? Seated with Christ in heavenly places as your real identity. And guess what you're also going to have to do? You're going to have to go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm just here because I need to receive. I did before I was supposed to. Lord, will you just pour back into me? And he's so faithful. He is so faithful to meet you in your place of rest. I'll end with this. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. I referenced this a bit ago. Are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's Jesus talking. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of y'all could receive some of that freely and lightly? I know I could. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.